0: She was seated in a chair and leaning over like she was weighted down on one side listing anchored to something and she was she was weighted down by dreadful news the news we all fear the most that her diagnosis was terminal she didn't have long to live but she was also weighted down by the fear and the notion that somehow she had not lived her life well and that she was certain she was going to hell. And she was trying to scramble at the last minute and figure out, okay, okay, what can I do now that I have just a few days left? Can I pray harder? Can I, what can I do? And it broke my heart that this woman had a few days left and she was worried about going to hell, that she was wasting the last minutes of her life when she could be connecting with her family, she could be saying her goodbyes, instead was actually focused on herself and worried about some afterlife, some hellish afterlife, and I, you know, she was not extraordinary. She was not a serial killer. She was not a murderer. She hadn't uh, made money off of criminal acts. She was pretty darn average, which meant she was pretty darn wonderful. She'd raised a family. She had kids that were successful. But from her training In a church, she knew that the children she'd raised, the friends she had helped, the work she had done wasn't enough. And it still makes me absolutely furious. What a waste. And we may sit here and go, well, we don't believe that. But I think we all carry within us a theology, and some of it may be more helpful than others. And I think we tend to say in this church, and, I, and it's not accurate, that this is the place where you get to be a blank slate and start over and create your own theology. And I, I'd rather say, no, no, you're coming into a church where there is a well grounded theology that we all share some very basic understandings of what it means to be human in this world and possibly how the world works and doesn't work. So I've handed out to you, couldn't help myself, um, a, a paper, and I'm, I'm not going to stop and, and say, okay, now write, write about this part of your theology. What I want is... For us to have an image of theology as a a bunch of working parts, whether you're atheist, humanist, theist, we all have a theology. We all have beliefs. We all act on them in some way. And I'm grateful to um, Rebecca Parker. I've mentioned her before. She's uh, a Unitarian Universalist theologian, and she was the the, uh, head of our Unitarian Universalist Seminary in California, Star King. And she started bumping up against this, oh, we're we're all blank slates when we're Unitarian Universalists. And she's like, no, no we're not. (laughs) And developed this image of a house as a way to think about your theology and a way to think about how it all fits together. And uses this image when she's teaching classes. And she says she's noticed that there's an increase in students who now are interested in theology. Uh, So her classes are packed. And she has written a, um, you heard a reading. She's written a book called House of Hope that grew out of this work that she was doing. And one of her main points is for us to know that a lot of our theology is grounded in, I'll use the word ancient, ancient traditions. That we are reinventing the wheel, but we already have a wheel. And it begins with, let's start with the walls of the house. That's kind of the first thing you notice. Is this house made of brick? Is it got siding? Is it adobe? Is it uh, carpet hanging down as in a tent, in a yurt? So the walls are what she would say are, are ecclesiology. Greek word, ecclesia, ecclesia which means church or congregation. And this is really the oldest part of what holds us together. Back in the 14th and 15th century, when religious people were bumping up against the one church and said, wait, (laughs) wait, you, you want us to pay in order to go to heaven? That does not make theological sense. And so there was a reformation that caused a split in the church. Those who stayed with what became... Catholicism, Eastern and Western Orthodox, and Western Roman Catholic Catholicism, and then all us others who went off in Reformation. But then after that, that wasn't that that Reformation wasn't enough. And there's something called the Radical Reformation back in the 1500s, and we are part of that branch of theology that says. We don't want a creed. We don't want a single set of beliefs. What holds us together as a church, what our ecclesiastical beliefs are, is not that the minister has all the answers. We are bound together by our promises that we make to each other. We are a promise-making people. We make covenants, and that that is our, our glue Our glue isn't that we all have the same beliefs, other than we believe deeply and firmly in our fellow human beings, and we'll talk about this in a little while, we've broadened that to all things that we are in relationship to. So those are the walls that we agree to come together and be here because we've promised each other that we will treat each other with love. Well, a house that's only walls is a ruin, so the roof. The roof is the part that protects us, protects us from the elements, protects us from tornadoes, hopefully. Uh, You might say it's what saves a house. A house without a roof is not going to last long. So the Greek word and the theological term is soteriology. Soteriology again, Greek meaning save, rescue, salvation. So the words uh, are technical terms that theologians use, but I think it's important for us as we run into them in various places to know what they mean. So that so theologians when they're talking about salvation and soteriology are talking about what protects you what what saves you and in the 19th century we'll come back again and again to the 19th century because that was pivotal to our theology (laughs) after the radical reformation the transcendentalists and enlightenment form us continue to form us To check my notes. So salvation. Ah, so there's a universalist, Hosea Ballou. You've heard him mentioned here, he wrote something called a treatise on atonement, and was pushing back against that notion that weighted that woman down that we were going to hell. And that only certain beliefs would save you. And Hosea Ballou said, That doesn't make any sense to me. How could, at the time, they believed in an all knowing, all powerful God, how could that all powerful God take creatures that he or she, would have been him, him then, made, and condemn them to hell? That doesn't make any sense. So he was really the one that stepped out and said, no, there has to be universal love. There has to be no hell, only heaven. Again, the language they used at the time. That's the 19th century notion of universalism, and we've stretched it farther and said, yes, there is a universal humanness notion of love, that there is human potential, which we'll come back to that. What, that's what's interesting about theology is it's all interwoven. So if you believe in a God that damns you and believe in a hell, that affects how you treat your family and your children and, and how you go about the world. So the converse is true. If you believe that humans have potential and are not going to hell and actually can be good, then that changes your sense of possibility. And the Unitarians came to this same understanding of what saves you. Um, They weren't so interested in in God. The Unitarians were more interested in what the human potential was. And so they were saying, no, 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 there's not a God that divides people into you. Oh, the choir. The choir is going to heaven. (laughs) You all. They didn't believe in some divine divider. Um, and we're preaching more about the individual, the possibility of the individual, which also gets us into trouble because then we forget about the group. But it's all related. So we have walls and we have a roof. And I think the next thing you notice in a house is the door. You know, is it tall, is it blue, is it red, is it rounded, are there two, is it double? And so in theological terms, it's the threshold, it's the, where you're coming from and where you're going to. And in theological terms, that's eschatology, another Greek word meaning last. So there is, in Christianity, a lot of concern about end times, or again, what's going to happen after you die? Are you going to hell? (laughs) You're not. Are you going to hell? (laughs) Um, And so, for a Unitarian Universalist, that eschatology is much more about the present. What can we do in this lifetime? And there's a humility that we share. We, we may have a sense of what happens before we're born, and we may have a sense of what happens after we die, but our memorial services are a celebration of life, a, an effort to remember a part of someone's life so that we can plant the memories. And so we believe the eschatology of what happens after someone dies is that we carry the legacy and others will carry ours I do notice in myself and I think this is true about theology there's not a set theology We've, we were trained as children to believe certain things and when things are stressful like the woman who was dying when she heard that bad news I don't know if that's what she believed up until that moment she heard the news and then you kind of revert back to your childhood theology it tends to happen our go-to default mode. And uh, I recognized when my, my 20-year-old nephew overdosed, and I adored this boy. And I remember at the time struggling with, and at the time I was in seminary, and I was thinking, oh, wait, this is not the theology I really think. But I kept going, well, where is he? Where is Isaac? Well, well and I had these images that somehow we were in a ship sailing on, and he was stuck back at the dock. And I, uh, I still have wonderings, where, where is he? So his mother um, said to me, you know, to keep Isaac alive, and I, I think when I find a penny on the ground, I think of it as a penny from heaven, and I pick it up. And so it's not a theology, I believe, but sure enough, I still do that. He's been dead six or seven years, and I still find pennies in the parking lot or on the sidewalk, and I'll pick it up, and I'll say his name. But what it does is what we believe, that we carry the memory of those who die. So I don't consider it a penny from heaven other than the sense of we create heaven and hell in this lifetime. And so I'm happy to use that device to remember Isaac. And he and I shared this weird passion with rust. So it's appropriate that we think of dirty pennies and metal when uh, when I think of him. So we've crossed the threshold of the house through the door and it's not a worthy house unless it has windows that let in the light. And that's, uh, there's, a, there's a typo in here, my, my computer kept correcting me. <laughs> it's not missionology, it's missiology, but it comes from mission, which means to send, or a task, or a job. And so, as Unitarian Universalists, we aren't missionaries in the sense we are not at all interested in converting someone because what would we convert them to? We don't have a creed. Other than I'd say, yeah, we convert them to love and open-heartedness. But, um, but we aren't missionaries in that traditional sense. But what we are is willing to look out at our neighbor and say... That person is living a life that looks valuable, and they're not Unitarian Universalist, so what are they? And tell me about what you believe. So we're willing to let in the light from all the other traditions. We accept whether that window is um, slightly dirty or... Divided into panes or made with different glass or is stained glass. And I'm grateful this time of year we can throw open our windows. So pneumology, Greek, pneuma means breath. So throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, the word breath, air, is also the same for spirit. And in traditional Christian theology, that means Holy Spirit. I still think those words go together. That's a good notion. But in our tradition, it's Emerson, 19th century Emerson, who started writing about the individual soul and said, you know, we each have a soul, but there's something incredibly universal and out there about it, that it connects us in some way. And he referred to it as the Oversoul. Uh, not a term that caught on. But what we share today is that sense that we are all involved in some life-giving force that is in us all, and we've expanded to beyond just humans, that is in us all. There is something, some things that keep life going. So our, our sense of breath and life. So now we've opened up the windows. What have I forgotten? Ah, the house has to stand on Something that foundation. Uh, Theologians talk a lot about anthropology, but they don't mean it in the sociological, academic sense. They mean it in... um, They do mean human, the study of humans, but what they mean is the study of humans and relationship to whatever that breath, air, Holy Spirit force is. And so if you think like the poor woman listing that this force is punishing, then that's the foundation of your theology. And it was um, Channing, 19th century Channing, who said, humans are capable of change and change evolving Darwin and education and believed in the unfolding the blossoming the peeling away of our spirit that we are capable of moving forward we've kind of bumped up against that well it's not always forward and upward Um, it's more like this but that each person has the potential to become good and that's really powerful. And that is the solid foundation of our theology. And that we do it together and alone. It's a both and. So I give you this and those big words. I don't use them often. I find them confusing. But actually, I don't. Because I think, oh, right. Right. Um, when I think about this affects how I think about that and how it fits together. So you might, I left you space on the back (laughs) to go, Well, so what do I believe about why and how we're together? What do I believe? And look at those so that when you do run into trauma, when someone you love dies or we have whether tragedy and when good things happen to bad people when bad things happen to good people that you have a way of making sense of it or and being willing to hold the mystery that we don't have all the answers we can't have all the answers and how do we sit with that that's my wish that we all look at our common theology. And then, what have you done in your room in that house? Has it got wallpaper? Rocks? May it be so. We give away our plate, and this month it's going to wing it animal, primarily bird rescue.